and other valuable minerals that supplied the South's war machine. The value of the railroads at Chattanooga had much to do with how these crops and raw materials from eastern Tennessee were distributed to southern mills and factories. Despite the good ground that now protected Bragg's army, Rosecrans had learned something about effective strategy. He also had learned something about Braxton Bragg. Rather than attack the Confederates in their strong points at Chattanooga, Rosecrans relied once again on maneuver and deception. In mid-August 1863, the Union forces marched a strong column to the river a few miles north of the city, convincing Bragg that the Federals would make their crossing at that point, a logical plan to sweep down onto Chattanooga from that direction. In addition, Federal artillery began to shell the town, which would typically indicate that the main assault was soon to follow. Meanwhile, far below the town, the actual Federal crossing was taking place. Unlike Burnside at Fredericksburg, Rosecrans had been supplied with adequate numbers of pontoon bridges, and the Federal engineers made considerable use of rafts and floating platforms. By September 1st, with most of the Federal Army establishing itself downstream on the Confederate side of the Tennessee River, Bragg finally realized he had been outmaneuvered. On September 7, 1863, Bragg ordered his army to abandon Chattanooga. Once more, Rosecrans had won a victory without forcing a major confrontation. The Federal Army had every reason to feel that all was right with the world. With the fall of Vicksburg, the Mississippi River was fully under Federal control. The Battle of Gettysburg had virtually destroyed the offensive power of Lee's Army of Northern Virginia, and now a major rail center had fallen peacefully into Union hands. Rosecrans was justified in believing that fate was on his side, so he ordered his army to pursue Bragg's demoralized Confederates on their hasty retreat southward into Georgia. But Bragg was not hastily retreating anywhere. He had instead gathered up his army near Lafayette, Georgia, only a dozen miles from Chattanooga. With Chattanooga firmly under control, Rosecrans's subordinates advised their commander that the Federal forces there should regroup, resupply, and determine what Bragg was actually doing before they pursued him. Rosecrans disagreed. On September 9th, a full division of Federal troops under Major General James Negley pushed southward into a valley known as McLemore's Cove. As Confederate scouts reported the movement to Bragg, he realized that the lay of the land made the cove a perfect trap. But by the time Bragg could put his plan into motion, Negley had smelled trouble and successfully pulled his troops out of danger. The problem for the Confederates was that Bragg's orders were often disregarded by his subordinates. Bragg was disliked by his officers as much as any commander in either army. Bragg's inability to spring his trap at McLemore's Cove allowed Rosecrans to move more of his army through the mountain passes below Chattanooga into position just above the town of Lafayette. Though Bragg had missed his opportunity to cut up the Federals piecemeal, he still believed that Rosecrans would not push for a general engagement. In addition, Bragg had learned that an enormous number of reinforcements was expected at any time to support his Army of Tennessee. James Longstreet and some 12,000 men had been sent to the Western Theater to lend vital assistance to the beleaguered Confederates there. Without waiting for Longstreet to actually arrive, Bragg planned to launch a surprise attack on the Federal left, north flank, 
the morning of September 18th. But, as had happened at McLemore's Cove, Bragg's intentions were thwarted by poor planning and alert Federal cavalry. Any element of surprise disappeared. The fight spread out along the banks of Chickamauga Creek, but it was far from a general engagement. Large patches of woods and the creek itself prevented either side from maneuvering effectively. The battle that developed was instead a haphazard, disorganized affair, and by the end of the day, both sides ended up more or less where they had begun. Throughout the night of September 18th to 19th, neither Rosecrans nor Bragg was entirely sure just where their enemy would be when the sun came up. With the first light of September 19th, the mystery wasn't solved for either side. The vast tracts of forest made visibility difficult at best, and even cavalry had little advantage. The two armies faced each other in a northeast...